Hey guys, Adam here. Uh, we just finished recording the podcast, and similar to when Bradley Beal got traded, uh, between the time we finished recording and the time that the edit was finished, the Maple Leafs signed Tyler Bertuzzi and now seem pretty deep in talks for Max Domi. So I wanted to get out in front of our free agency pod and talk a little bit about those guys. So we don't quite know what the Max Domi deal is going to be. The rumors are that it's going to be a one or two year deal. And the Tyler Bertuzzi deal was one year and five and a half million dollars. So the big marker there is that they lost Luke Shin and Rasmus Sandin and brought in Tyler Bertuzzi, Max Domi, and John Klingberg to be kind of their depth toughness replacements. Uh, just going to read off some texts here from Mike. Leafs fans on Twitter talking about how much grittier the leads are with Reeves, Domi, and Bertuzzi. Domi had six hits last year. Uh, Bertuzzi had 27. So what you're telling me is two guys who take cheap shots after the whistle. Not a big fan of those signings, I take it. But you're looking at two guys that have some pretty solid offensive production and might be somewhat of a minus on the defensive end. I like Domi. I like Bertuzzi. Uh, I'm not sure how much of an improvement they are, but I think that the big headline here is how short the term is. Now, it's no secret that next year, Austin Matthews and Willie Nylander are unrestricted free agents. Both guys have some form of no moves. Austin uh, Matthews has a complete, a total no move clause for next season. And Willie Nylander has a modified no move. And then both guys will be unrestricted free agents at the end of next year. Now, it's hard to say what Dubas was planning versus what the plan is now. Because obviously, Dubas was sweeped out the door and went to Pittsburgh. But as of right now, before the Max Domi deal, before the details on that have been finalized, it looks like the Maple Leafs will have $47 million in cap space in the 24 off season. So they have plenty of money to re-sign these guys, but it kind of presents itself with an inflection point. There's two paths that they can go down. Having that much cap space and having all of these guys come off the books right now kind of gives them two options. They can either invest real money and bring back Nylander and Matthews as the core of their offense and keep trying to make a cup run with those two guys, or they can let one or both of them walk and start the rebuild. And $47 million in cap space gives them a lot of room to become what the Red Wings were for a few years and what the Coyotes are right now. And even what Minnesota was doing a little bit down the stretch last season, where they can just take on the contracts that no one else wants and draft picks. And they can use that to start building up a team. So there's a chance that we see the end to the Matthews era next year as Toronto starts another rebuild. But what I think is the much more likely option is that we see them pay a large amount of money for Matthews and Nylander. So we're talking 24, 25 million between those two guys. And if the cap goes up, that's, that's a big deal, but we don't know that yet. So if we're looking at what we have right now, post Bertuzzi signing, pre Domi signing after they brought on uh, John Kleenberg and, and let, you know, Sandine and Shin and Bunting walk out the door. Right now, that would give them a pretty limited roster 
and only about $20 million in cap space to increase that going into the 24-25 season. But still, I think that's the most likely outcome. How often do you see teams let not one, but two of their stars walk? I mean, could you imagine Edmonton letting Dreisaitl and uh, McDavid walk? I can't. And the other option would be potentially a trade. Now, this would be more of an NBA-style thing where they sit down with Austin Matthews and say, listen, we're, we've decided we want to go into a rebuild next season, and what we want to do is move you to another team now and get something in return for you. And that would open a few opportunities there. First, they could do some kind of agree in principle to a contract and then trade, and then Matthew signs an extension with the new team. Or they could trade him as a piece because his contract is mostly signing bonus and his salary is relatively low. So they could trade him as a piece to a contender as that last thing that got them over. So I don't think it's out of the question to see him go to a place like Colorado or Florida or even Vegas because you can't count Vegas out in these. And we see... Austin Matthews kind of go super team mode to try to make a run. And then we get the Austin Matthews sweepstakes after the year. So I think that just to round out the options there, and I'm, I'm sorry that I'm, I'm not going to give Willie Nylander the, the time of day. I, I don't want to take up too much time at the front end of this podcast with just limited news that we have right now. But the Austin Matthews options, I think, to lay them out once again, are re-signing with the team for, I bet, the most money in the NHL. So we're talking 13 and a half, 14 million dollars a year, which is going to start handicapping the team's ability to build depth. But if you're Austin Matthews, you've earned that money. You're being underpaid by what your production is. The second option is that they let him walk in free agency and we get a great offseason of Austin Matthews sweepstakes. The third option is he's traded as a a pseudo sign-in trade, because maybe you can correct me, but I believe that there's rules against signing a contract and then trading a player in the NHL, nor would you really have a reason to do that because there's no bird rights, there's no max contract difference with a team that you've been playing for, at least not one that's enforced in principle because no one gets paid to the max level in the NHL. And then his third option is to get traded to a contender as a half-year rental And then we start getting the sweepstakes next year, which I think is the most exciting option. All right, with that, let's get you to the show. This week, we are talking all things NHL and NBA free agency and a little bit about a Dame Lillard trade that might be coming in the next few days. So hit the music. Gentlemen, you don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. All right. Hello and welcome to the Talent Podcast, the podcast brought to you by The Wheel. Hopefully this week we'll actually utilize The Wheel as last week we did not. I am your host, Adam, and with me as always, my co-host, co-conspirator, co-writer, co-runner of things, Talent Alone, is Mike the Madman Regan. Mike the Madman Regan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Happy early 4th of July to everybody. I just want to take a moment. Very madman of you. Sorry. Hey, everybody. (laughs) It's Madman Mike. On 107.7. Um, yeah, I didn't know what I was going to say. Let's move along. 
Well, you said you were going to take a moment, so I didn't know if you were going to oh, say something real dark. We're just a couple of days away from 4th of July, so I thought it would be fitting to give a shout-out to one of the most all-American athletes, since this is a sports podcast. And that man is Brett Favre. Now, hear me out. <laughs> Think about it. People always gush about how, like, ah, this guy, Brett Favre, he's just a gunslinger, you know, real backyard football kind of guy. Stands in the pocket, takes a hit, okay? Has all the great stats, but also, you know, leads is the leader in league history in interceptions. So that's kind of like a metaphor for America. A lot of good, a lot of bad. And the Wrangler sponsorship, that's All-American. And to top it off, he's accused of embezzling funds from the Mississippi, from Mississippi welfare. White-collar crimes. This dude encompasses everything about America. So special 4th of July shout-out to Mr. Brett Favre. I, you know, just to pull the curtain back, you did not tell me you were going to do this. That caught me completely off guard. I was going to go somewhere totally different with the cold open but i feel like at this point i can't top shout outs to brett Favre. <laughs> it's all because <laughs> i was trying to think of like some kind of fourth of july themed article and i really couldn't that's all i had <laughs> jason pierre paul my guy oh he's another one lost fingers from the fireworks yeah all american brother well, all right actually well, after after that incident he's a little less american now yeah you could say he's 110% American, because he's the same amount of American with less body. Oh, good point. Quick math. Uh, <laughs> speaking of quick math, uh, it's uh, free agency Palooza week, Mike. We had NBA free agency open on Friday and NHL free agency open on Saturday, and the signings have been disappointing in some of those. So, I figure we'll open this up by uh, talking a little NHL free agency, seeing as how you're a hockey guy, you hate basketball, you're always saying you can't watch it, so... You wanna, you wanna, you wanna, you wanna talk some uh, some hockey free agency here, brother? Yeah, sure. It's good. You can do it. You wanna talk about the drafts at all? Oh yeah, give me your your draft thoughts. I mean, okay, I don't have a whole lot other than I mean, obviously Bedard won, but I would have won Fantilli too instead of Carlson. So I think they kind of, I think Columbus lucked out in that instance. I mean, Carlson I think would have been good at three. But, I mean, outside of, like, the first round, there's not a lot of names I can sit here and tell you I, like, looked that much into. Except uh, keep your eye on the second-round pick, Maxim Sturback, that the Buffalo Sabres took. I think he's going to be a real player. (laughs) Let me ask you this. How much tape did you grind of Leo Carlson and Adam Fantilli? Oh, not that much. You know, highlights on Twitter (laughs) and looking at their, like, numbers online. That's uh, that's basically what I thought. Well, you did more work than I did because I went into the draft being like, oh, Bedard's won, and then – Mitchkoff will go somewhere, and that's all I care about until they play in the pros. Fell to seven to Philadelphia. Yeah, now uh, he gets to go hang out in Russia until Torts gets fired. Yeah, I mean, look at the upside. If he does have to play for Torts, you know, he's Russian, so he won't know what the hell he's yelling about. (laughs) He probably (laughs) won't even know this as a coach. (laughs) I'm choking on coffee. (laughs) All right, Mike, now that we've finished our in-depth draft discussion, let me get the time here started. We're going to play a little uh, <coughs> NHL free agency game off the back of your hard work. NHL. What did I say? You said NFL. <laughs> NHL free agency game off the back of your hard work. I always do that. You know, this fucking timer app is just broke at some point. It doesn't work anymore. So I'm just going to pull up a timer on my phone. Okay, yeah. Because last week it wasn't showing up in the chat. And I was like, I don't know how much time's left. 
It just keeps saying this application did not respond. It's a timer. Why do I... Wait, why not just... Ah, I'm just going to blow up my phone. Bad week for big tech. You know, Discord's timer app's not working. Twitter, Twitter, Twitter something up. Read, read 40 tweets per day. <laughs> All right, Mike. I'm sure you are familiar with the famous game that you sit around and play with people called Fuck, Mary Kill. So what we're going to do this week is we're going to go through the signings of each team, and I'm going to have you tell me if you'd fuck, marry, or kill that team based off their free agency move. Sound good? Sounds good. All right. So let's get this started hot and fresh, top of the alphabet, with the New Jersey Devils. Yeah, near the top of the alphabet. So the Devils uh, went on a little bit of a re-signing spree. So just to read you off what they did here, they locked down Jesper Bratt, eight years, 7.875 million AAV. They locked down Hala, three years, 3.15 million AAV. They locked down Timo Meyer, eight years, 8.8 million AAV. They acquired Tyler Toffoli in a trade uh, where they didn't give up much. Uh, you might have the exact numbers on that. I don't off the top of my head. Or, oh, they're on the sheet that you gave to me. Um, they traded away Damon Severson to Columbus freed up some cap space, and still retain $5.6 million on the cap for this offseason. So, Mike, right away, let me get your opinion there. Fuck, Mary kill, devil's free agency moves. So just to clarify, Mary is, like, the highest. That's higher than fuck, right? That's your call. Like, I always, yeah, because, yeah, I always picture you really. That. That's really an internal question to ask. Would you rather <laughs> fuck or marry? I know, he's got really deep all of a sudden. But I feel like Mary means, like, you know. You'd, like, actually want to keep him around, you know. To some people, beyond, the highest honor the is fucking. kill. I guess that is. That is very true. So, I'll say Mary is the, like, highest one. I would marry their offseason in a heartbeat. Big fan of their moves? Yeah. I mean, they brought – they their re-signings, I think, were good. Eric Hollow played well for them after he got traded there. Uh, Timo Meyer was a little bit of a mixed bag, but, you know, obviously he's a, a proven, he's a good proven player, goal-scoring yeah. guy. Yeah. So, you, you there's – I would definitely do that contract. Um, didn't give up for much for Tyler Toffoli. And then, yeah. I mean, Severson, eh, not like a bad loss. I mean, he's a good defender, but he's the kind of defender that can get caught with his pants down defensively sometimes. So that's not like the worst loss in the world. And they still have a little bit of cap space remaining. So, yeah, I really like everything that the Devils did. Plus, they're still extremely young and have a great core intact. Yeah, I would say fuck because it's a very attractive-looking team, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, not physically because they're hockey players, but it's a very attractive-looking team on paper with a lot of speed and a lot of goal scoring and a lot of youth, and they've added Tyler Toffoli to that mix, who's another guy who can genuinely put generally put the puck in the net. But we still have a question mark on their goaltending. Um as well as they played last season, I would argue we still have a question at their coaching. Jack Hughes looks like the real deal, so that's that's a plus. But I think that there's enough question marks to where I'm not quite sold on them as a cup contender. Oh, I also did want to mention that they traded with uh, Dallas, sent out a fifth-round pick to get Colin Miller back, who Colin Miller's – I mean, he's more offensive-minded, but he's like a, he's a good defenseman. Um, and he's a hell of a lot cheaper than Severson, so they kind of filled up the roster spot there. Uh, so I do agree. Questions in goal. I'm pulling for Akira because he has a dope name, as we've mentioned before. 
but that is a big question mark. Obviously, I'm not going to sit here and say something bad about Lindiroff. Even though it is funny that he does have like this really fast young team when Lindy Ruff's much more of a historically been, you know, a dump and chase kind of guy, you know? Well, he's uh, an NHL coach, so you do have to kind of assume he's a right. jump, dump and chase kind of guy. He's he's a legacy coach. He's been doing it since the 90s, so you know he's, you know, would, would favor that. I'm still sticking with Mary because I guess the biggest, like, uh, like difference between the two options there is – I like this beyond this season. Like these moves are good now and in the future. So I'd, I'd be like marrying the stock of the New Jersey Devils. It's a, uh, it's a lot of future, you know, mm-hmm. they, they got a lot of people locked down to eight year deals. Now, if this doesn't work out, they're real screwed. Mm-hmm. Um, quick question for you here. Do you have, you don't have one on the Blackhawks. You don't have a section written out on the Blackhawks. I do not. Okay, that's um, fine. I just want to get your opinion on Taylor Hall going to the Blackhawks, assuming they play. In, you don't even have to fuck Mary Kill. Just quick, quick yeah. note. I want to know Taylor Hall probably playing the wing next to uh, Connor Bedard in his opening season. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, obviously, like they're going to come out of it. Like if you grade their off season, they'll come out probably slightly ahead because they got Connor Bedard. I think some of their other moves, I remember as I was seeing them being like, that just seems weird. Like, they're kind of throwing cap space around, like taking a lot of cap off players, buying some out. Um, but if the idea is, like, we can fuck around with the cap now, all this stuff comes off the books by the time we're ready to build and compete, then it, it will work out. All right, Mike, let's go on to our next team here. The Boston... Bruins, once again, mm-hmm. playing the game Fuck, Mary Kill. I'm just going to try to get that in here as many times as possible. So the Boston Bruins signed Jamie Van Re- or Is it Jamie or James? Jamie. Uh, I'm going to go second-guessing myself. I thought it was yeah. James. But. I feel like people call him Jamie, like colloquially. Yeah. All right. Anyways, Jamie Van Riemsdyke, one year, one million. Morgan Geeky, two years, two million. I guess they only sign people for the year and price tag that match. Uh, Kevin Shattenkirk, one year, one million. Milan Lucic returns, one year, one point five million. But according to you, only a one million dollar cap hit. And as previously mentioned, they traded away Taylor Hall to Chicago, clearing six million off the books and retained, or they still have a cap left of six point two million, which is more than enough to sign some more pieces. Mike, fuck Mary, kill Boston Bruins offseason moves. So I do want to clarify for anybody who's like super knows literally everything that happened in free agency, I just jotted down, like, notable signings. I didn't jot down guys who are going to be playing in their minors next year or, you know, are earning, like, you know, stupid yeah, low money, like th- that kind of stuff. We definitely don't have every transaction on here, nor do I want to talk about every transaction. Exactly, on. yes. <laughs> um, but I'm going to kill this. I'm gonna, I mean, obviously I'm biased against the Bruins, um, but they have some issues trying to rebuild this forward group. The people they signed are all pretty – like they're cheap, boring signings to fill their bottom six. Um, and I don't Morgan Geeky is an interesting signing actually. Um, yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Yeah. He's, pr- he's pretty young still too. He's only yeah. 24. Mm-hmm. I obviously still harbor resentment towards Milan Lucic. And now that he's back in a Bruins uniform, I just harbor even more resentment for him elbowing Ryan Miller in the head. But another thing I look at here is their trade acquisitions at the deadline were, uh, 
uh, Hathaway and Orlov from Washington, and then Bertuzzi from Detroit. Hathaway and Orlov both signed somewhere else. They couldn't retain them. Bertuzzi uh, still hasn't been signed, and it sounds like they're kind of closing the door on that. Um, so I don't know, like, a $6.2 million still available where they like they still have to figure out is Bergeron coming back is Krejci coming back they're gonna need they'll have to get paid so I don't know and especially after like Linus Allmark like you know kind of fell apart in the playoffs I, I'm expecting like a like the Bruins I'm not saying like miss the playoffs but I could see him being like a three seed in their division next year I'm gonna thoroughly go well okay here's what I'm gonna say I'm gonna go with fuck but with an asterisk I'm going to go with fuck okay. because I think that they're still going to be a cup competing franchise. And I think that they, like you said, they did a good job spinning up their depth again. Now, losing out on Orlov and on Bertuzzi hurts them. But they've signed a lot of guys that I think work. I mean, you're talking about guys that are getting older. But I think Geeky's going to be a great bottom six guy for them the way that Bertuzzi was last year. Um, but... The asterisk is because if Bergeron retires, this team is an absolute kill. If you lose your captain after all of this and you just have a team of old guys, David Pasternak, and I guess that's really it. Brad Marchand. If Marchand's old. Yeah, he's getting there. Yeah. Then this this team's a kill for me if Bergeron retires. And the, right. the Lucic signing will feel nostalgic nostalgic and warm and fuzzy for like longtime Bruins fans. But I feel like it's just so he can come back and play like one more season with the team he spent most of his career with. All right. We got to, got to pick up the pace here just a little bit to keep within our time constraints of the podcast. Let's go next to the uh, Nashville Predators, the Barry Trotz era. They bought out Matt Duchesne uh, with pretty big dead cap hits coming in the next few years, but not insurmountable. Uh, they signed Ryan O'Reilly, four years, $4.5 million. They signed Luke Shin, three years, $3.75 million. They signed Gustav Nyquist, two years, $3.185 million. And they signed Cody Glass, two years, $2.5 million. They still have a remaining cap of $8.7 million as of the last time we updated these notes. Mike, fuck, Mary kill the Barry Trotz era, Nashville Predators. Oh, I'm killing this one as well. I don't know what... I feel like this is a team that needs to start going towards like a pretty sizable rebuild. And I don't get like Matt Duchesne. Yeah. He's not what he once was. I don't understand buying him out. Like the cap hit, uh, not this season isn't bad 2.5, but the dead cap for the following two years of five and a half and six and a half is pretty rough. And then like people keep talking about like Trotz wanting to build a culture and so he's bringing, like, Ryan O'Reilly. Like, if you're, a, like, a rebuilding team, why do you want Ryan O'Reilly on the books for the next four and a half, like, four years? It just doesn't make sense to me. I, I, yeah. I don't I don't get that move or the Luke Shen move. Like, I would be fielding calls about UC Soros right now and figuring out how we really blow this thing up. Yeah, and, get, get Soros and uh, Forsberg off your books. Yeah, and I feel like Trotz is, I don't know, I feel like he's almost going to try to make some sort of a weird run. Yeah, I'm with you on this. I am also a kill on the Nashville Predators. I don't really know what they're doing. They seem to be just trying to open up cap space, but still spend cap space. I mean, they're not near the cap ceiling nor the cap floor, so they're really in no man's land. You can see this team definitely being like a wild card two team for the next three seasons. Mm -hmm. All right, next up, we have the Anaheim Ducks. The Ducks 
fairly or not not a, a high quantity of moves, but boy, are they quality in one direction or another. They signed Renko Gudis, three three years, four million. They signed Alex Kalorn, four years, six point two five million. And with the second overall pick, they took Leo Carlson, widely to believe to be the third best player or fourth best player in the draft, beyond what you think of Mitchkov. Mike, fuck Mary Kill, Anaheim Ducks. I gotta kill it again. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, I gotta kill him. And You're bordering I do, on Patrick Bateman territory I, here. I know. I'm like, you know, I love Zegris. I know they gotta get that figured out. They gotta f- get Troy Terry's RFA situation figured out. You know, there's a lot of players on this team to like, but I just don't. Similar to the Preds, I don't understand giving. I mean, Radko Gudis, three years, four million. That's not terrible. He's coming towards like the latter part of his career. Alex Kalorn, four years, six point two five million. I think's an overpay. Um, I think it's like a hey, he was on a team that won some cups. So, like, I I think that's a massive overpay. And to do over four years, I think it's going to age pretty poorly. Yeah, I I'm uh, prone to agree on that. It seems like a big kill for me. I don't know what Alex Kalorn or Ran- Renko Gudis, Jesus Christ, Renko Gudis add to where this team is right now it seems like they're desperately pushing to win more games to save everyone's job but at the same time your team is on the precipice of something with the high skill young talent you have I don't know why you went out and signed Alex Kalorn to a 6.25 million dollar deal for the next four years now to be fair to To be be fair fair. (laughs) um they do still have a projected cap space of 28.7 million uh and they're not to the cap floor yet so We'll see what they do. Tyler Bertuzzi, eight years, eight million. Right. <laughs> All right, Mike. Next up, Barry Trotz' former team, the New York Islanders. They signed Peter Ingvall, seven years, three million. Scott Mayfield, seven years, 3.5 million. Simeon Varlamov, four years, 2.75, which I believe that's an extension, right? Uh, I, Mike, I, Mike I can I can double check. I know the next one you're going to read for Sorokin is an extension that doesn't yeah. kick into the following year, but I'm pretty sure. I think Varlamov might be just like a re-sign. Well, I'll okay. find out. Um, and then Sorokin, eight years, 8.25 million AAV. Before I even ask you the question, I will say that is a lot for a goalie, but if you're going to pay someone, he seems like the guy. The remaining cap space is a measly 1 million, which is only enough to sign six or seven NHL players, as far as I can tell. Mike, fuck, Mary kill, the New York Islanders offseason moves. So, I just don't want to be so negative again, but now there could be some moves coming um, where they could make another splash. But, I mean, Ingvall, Scott Mayfield, the AV I'm not, like, worried about. I don't know why they're like throwing out seven year terms. I'm like, I get very skittish about term, but but you see it a lot in the NHL. I think my bigger concern is like, I get locking down Sorokin to big numbers. Like, honestly, if we take the playoffs into account, Sorokin probably would have won the Vesna after what we saw Linus do in round one. Um, But him. And then once you get Varlamov's either re-signing or extension, I mean, you're spending like $11 million on your goaltenders in total. That's just a little worrisome. So, not to mention that they pay a lot for some of their forwards. Like, I'd have to pull up exactly what the numbers on it are, but don't they have a couple of guys that are pretty hefty contracts in their forward I, group? I believe so, yeah. Now, I don't know if we might not have time, so I'll mention it now. The Islanders have been one of the biggest names, like, in the Debrinket rumors. 
So if they could get a sign and trade done there, that would make me maybe marry them. But right now, I'm going to kill them. Or no, not marry them. Fuck them. But I'm going to kill them. Uh, I just want to point out that uh, it, they're paying... Um, in this season, they're paying Barzell $9.15 million. They're paying Bo Horvat $8.5 million. They're paying Anders Lee $7 million, And they're paying Brock Nelson $6 million. So they have four guys that are $6 million or over in their forward group. And I, I did... Uh, confirm that the Varlamov contract is a re-signing. So it's that, that's his AV this year. Goddamn, Ryan Pollock makes over $6 million also? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, they got a, they got a hefty cap sheet, let me tell you. <laughs> All right, for Mike. A, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, for a team that, based on production, you would think would have at least some cap like room to work with, they don't. All right. Next up, saving uh, some of the best for the last, we'll go through some cup contenders here. Then I really want to talk about the funny ones, and we're probably going to go 30 minutes or so on this, but, you know, it's fun to fuck, marry, and kill stuff. Um, oh, it is. <clears throat> next up, uh, one of my fa- personal favorite teams so far in this offseason, the LA Kings. So uh, they re-signed uh, Vladislav Gavrikov. Two years, $5.875 million. They acquired Pierre-Luc Dubois from Winnipeg for Velarde and Ayafalo and a 24-second, or as you wrote it here, a 20-24-suit 2-and-D. Oh, I see what you did there. You just didn't put a space. I thought you added an extra 2-in. I apologize. Apologize for trying to make fun of you there. You knew what it was the whole time. <laughs> they, they, signed, they signed Talbot to a one-year $2 million deal. They signed David Rittich. To a one-year, eight hundred seventy-five thousand-dollar deal. Their current cap is negative one point five seven million. Mike, fuck, Mary, kill the L.A. Kings off-season moves. So, this one will be a fuck for me. I like the Gavrikov signing. He played very well for them after they acquired him in the trade. Um, and I love the I love acquiring Luke Dubois. They didn't give up pennies for him like Velarde and Iafalo. That's definitely losing some good parts of like that second like second and third line part of your, your forward group. But I think Luke Dubois has a huge upside, so I think it was worth it. The big question around him still is goaltending. That's why, like, I know, like, those signings don't seem like that big of a deal, like Talbot and Riddick, but it's going to be them and then Phoenix Copley in net next year. So that could be their biggest concern is if they can overcome that. So I like the moves they made, but I have concern, so that's why I did say fuck. Yeah, I... uh I personally don't like the Pierre Luc Dubois trade from when I have from what I have seen. I don't get the Pierre Luc Dubois hype. It seems to me like he's had one excellent season and then a lot of yeah, pretty good season. I don't know what makes him so much marketably better than having Gabriel Velarde and Alex Ayafalo. I think there's more of a ceiling to what Dubois can give you. That's what they're kind of betting on compared to like I think Velarde is what he is, what we saw this year, and kind of the same thing with Ayafalo. So I think you're kind of betting on we're going to get this guy to what his best can be. It's also a little concerning. The guy's been traded twice, and he's not even 26 yet. Yeah, but he was in bad situations each like, – like He's requested out both times. Yeah, because like Columbus was a shit show, and then he went to Winnipeg, and that has been – like he didn't want to go there. That's where he got traded. And I feel like now being on a good team that's going to be making a run in the playoffs, I, I think he'll be happier. I hope. 
it's also worth noting that he's getting paid eight point five million a year. Like he's not cheap. No, not at all. I uh, I just I'm not. I I Pierre Luc Dubois guy. I wonder if the Athletic has what uh, they have his projected pay at. Um, and while I'm pulling that up, I'll say that I am also on. Uh, I'm borderline Mary on this team. I guess I'll, I'll go with fuck because Mary seems like it needs to be a lot harder of a of a way to feel about things. Um, but I uh, I don't know I don't know how many teams in the West are gonna be better than the Kings in two years. You're talking about a lot of teams that made deeper runs than them that are that are a lot older. Like yeah. Vegas and Edmonton, both I think are are near the tail ends of their top end run because we all know McDavid's going to get the fuck out of there at some point, right? So Dom at the Athletic has uh, Dubois' market value at eight point nine million. Okay, so he's marginally under market value. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, so I'll go with I'll go with fuck on the Kings. Uh, not not my strongest instant feeling the way I felt about the Devils. But definitely not a kill. I'll say that. I just, I, I mean, it, it's all dependent on me, on if Pierre-Luc Dubois is actually going to be more valuable for this team than Velarde Ayafalo in a second would have been. Mm-hmm. And I have my doubts. All right, Mike. Next up, the other major cup contender that made a lot of major moves that weren't hilarious. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes recently featured in this year's Eastern Conference Finals. They re-signed Jordan Stahl, four years, $2.9 million. They re-signed Frederick Anderson, two years, $3.4 million. They re-signed Jesper Faust, two years, $2.4 million. They re-signed Ranta, one year, $1.5 million. They signed Orlov, two years, $7.75 million. They signed Michael Bunting, three years, $4.5 million, with a remaining cap of $2.8 million. Mike, fuck, Mary kill the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, boy, this is a tough one for me. So I think they're going to be a contender to win the East and possibly the cup next year. So for that reason alone, I got to say, fuck, uh, stalls, a good value. Anderson's a fine value, way better than where he's at. I like fast, you know, Ronta's the backup. I guess Kachekov is going to be in the minors next year, um, you know, and just ready in case of an injury. I think Orlov's a pretty high number, but it's only two years and bunting. Yeah, you know, Bunting's fine. I mean, he showed that he can be productive when you put him on um, the wing with elite centers when he was in Toronto. So I f- expect him to probably be in the same situation in Carolina. So, yeah, that's a fuck. I'm going to go marry on the uh, the Hurricanes. Ooh. I, <laughs> I think Michael Bunting um, is a good guy when he can be treated with a lot of depth. And he's a little bit more out of the spotlight for being a dude that's a little bit of a firecracker, to put it kindly. Uh, I think that he is really, really good at drawing penalties. Um, by the way, I don't think that we have it listed here, but I just want to point out that the Kraken signed uh, Kyler uh, Yamamoto, one year, yeah, 1.5. I, I jotted it down on my notes. Okay. But it did happen shortly before we started uh, recording. Am I wrong, or was there another goalie that the Hurricanes brought in? Didn't they bring in someone's backup? Oh, no. Wait. Didn't they bring in Lions? Leon's? Lions? Was that them? Am I wrong there? Lions did get signed. I'm trying to track that down now. 
Oh, Red Wings signed him. That's who it was. That's it. I, sw- I, I swear the Hurricanes brought in a, another goalie from somewhere that was someone else's backup, yeah. but now I can't remember. Because I remember typing lines at one point when I started to type out all Detroit's moves, but then I was like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> um, but I think that they got the best defenseman on the free agent market in Orlov. And I think that they, uh, <clears throat> like you said, they got pretty good value now. For Frederick Anderson, their goalie room is fairly cheap. They got good value on Jordan Stahl, and they're mounting all of that with all their big-time players. That being said, is Ajo a free agent? No. Because Sebastian Ajo, he's, he's locked up. What's Sebastian Ajo, though? That's the question. The good one. <laughs> mm. Yeah, so I'm going to I'm gonna go with Mary for the Canes. Now, if, I, I, if I had to pick someone off this list who I think was going to win the Stanley Cup, it would be the uh, Hurricanes. They don't have a lot of cap space left, so it's going to take a third team, but they have been heavily rumored in the Eric Carlson trade rumors. So, yeah, that's something, that's something to keep your eye on. I mean, if you want if you want more score, scoring from them, then that's something, right? Yeah. So there's no there's no big harm in that. Um, but he's fucking expensive, man. Yeah. I mean, you're literally getting him just for his offensive upside because, like, statistically, he's a terrible at defense as a defender. <laughs> Real quick, while we're talking about the Hurricanes, how do you feel about the Caps signing away Patchy already? Any thoughts on that? Um, it was uh, two, one year contract worth two plus two in performance based incentives. Yeah, I mean it's fine. The whole, whole existence of the Caps for the next two, or, like what, probably two or three seasons, is to get Ovi to break Gretzky's record. But you know, you still have to have twelve forwards a game to do that. So Patchy's fine. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, Mike. Now we get to get talk about the fun part of the free agency class, which was the weird part. Let me ask you this. You want to talk about Kyle Dubas first, or you want to talk about the place that Kyle Dubas used to be first? I guess we'll talk about where the Dubes is now. All right. The Pittsburgh Penguins. Pittsburgh Penguins acquired Riley Smith via a trade with the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, it's a $5 million cap hit, and they only gave up a 2024 third. They signed Noel Akiari, three years, two million. They signed Lars Ellers, two years, two point four five million. They signed Ryan Graves, which someone texted me in all caps when they signed him, six years, four point five million. They signed Alex Nedeljkovic, who I was pretty sure was going to be playing in Europe the rest of his career, one year, one point five million. They re-signed Tristan Jari, five years, three point seven five million, and they have a remaining cap hit of negative one point five million dollars. Mike. Fuck Mary Kill, the Pittsburgh Penguins offseason moves. God, I don't even know. It's just weird. Like, I'm like really de- like I think like in Toronto it was like, you know, Dubas is he's good. Like he's a, an above average GM. And now he's in Pittsburgh and I'm like, I have no idea anymore. <laughs> um I like mainly the signings that like I mean like LR Akiari, whatever, like depth moves. Riley Smith you know, they went and grabbed someone who's on a cup-winning team. Who He had good numbers. He was solid in the playoffs, played mostly on the third line. Um, like, I don't even mind the flyer on Adelkovich, who was, like, only played 15 games last year. And, yeah, he did, you know, was terrible. <laughs> um, had, like, a negative nine, I think, and goals saved above expected or something like that. It was rough. but So bad they waived him, I will point out. Yes. Um, but when you look at all the moves and the lack of cap space – left and i'm looking at ryan graves six years 4.5 million and then tristan yari five i mean it's only 3.75 av but five years i'm not i'm kind of down on my jari stock is is down right now 
I feel like um, he's in the decline. <laughs> I, I completely agree with you that there. I will point out they signed Ryan Graves to pretty solid term. The guy only had 28 points last season. Yeah. 28 points, and he got six years, $4.5 million. Right. So, like, I feel like I'd expect uh, – I mean, I guess, like, he just wanted the term probably. Um, but you'd expect, like, hey, we want to make moves to bring in players who we think can help us now, but also once the Crosby era ends, we can quickly move on, cycle those players out, get young, get cap space, and get rolling. And, I mean, like, I don't think Crosby's still going to be playing – for six more years or even five more years in the Jari situation. So no. like, I think they could use that 3.5 million. They gave Jari somewhere else, you know, um, it was interesting. I believe they are also double check. Oh yeah. They are also a heavily rumored team for Eric Carlson. But then once again, they have no cap space. So they need a third team. Plus they're going to need San Jose to retain to make that happen. So yeah, I'm, I guess after our, our, uh, our talking about it, I'm gonna have to go ahead and kill the penguins i am also going to uh kill here because i really don't like that jarry deal i mean you're talking about a guy who's going to be 32 by the time this contract's over and already isn't like an excellent goalie he's probably about league average i would guess maybe even slightly above league average but not significantly and to give him term into his early 30s seems like a weird move when you could have got gotten him off the books and brought in other people who are relatively similar goalies for cheaper um I'm also not a big fan of the Riley Smith trade you have an old team and you don't need to be adding more veterans to it you need to be getting people in the building who are going to perform in a few years I mean that's the you can argue the plus for the Ryan Graves deal because at least Ryan Graves is 28 26 something like that I mean he's a little younger 26 I believe yeah, but they acquired an, another guy in his, his 30s to add to the team with some term left on his contract. Yeah. Right, the, like, any, I was uh, saying, you're spot on with the Smith thing. I really agree. And, like, um, we see it all the time. The NHL will just, like, jump at players that were, like, in the bottom six of the forward group of, like, a cup-winning team. It's weird. Yeah, you win a cup, you really your career's made. And I know that in like the NBA, but it feels mm-hmm. like it's a lot worse in hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Mike, last team that we're definitely gonna talk about here before we have to move on and unfortunately talk about other sports. I'm sorry. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. They signed Ryan Reeves three years, one point three five million dollars. Also received a text in all caps about that for some reason. They signed John Kleenberg one year, four point one five million. Their remaining cap space with LTIR is 5.6. And uh, you have a note here about how they traded away Rasmus Sandin. Yeah, because, like, the Maple Leafs were very quiet yesterday. So, you know, they only made a couple moves. So, of course, all of Leafs Nation were like, ah, it's all over. <laughs> the sky is falling. Because every time free agency starts, they, you know, want them to go out there and do something. Um, Ryan Reeves, like, he's cheap. I don't but I just don't see any upside to him being like, that's just such a, like, Oh yeah. You know, he's, he's tough. He does like the gritty stuff out there and he's a veteran. And like those moves don't interest me. Um, maybe I've just become too much of like looked at analytics too much to care about that. But I feel like there's players who could perform better and be in the same slot on the roster as him. Uh, John Klingberg. I mean, it's only one year, so I can't hate it too much. Take a flyer and hopefully he gets better. Um, so that's fine. But they just didn't, really do much and when, when I look at like 
Like Rasmus Sandin is a 23-year-old good defenseman, and you gave him away. Yeah, you got a first-round pick back, and then you got back Eric Gustafson, who didn't play that much for you, and he signed somewhere else in the offseason. Also, Ryan O'Reilly and Luke Shen, who you traded stuff away to get during the trade line last year, are also gone. Um, what I just I think this is unless they start doing a bunch more moves to really flip this thing around, I this is a kill for me. Yeah, it it's it's almost a nothing, right? Like you almost can't fuck Mary kill this because they've done nothing except you have to look at like the negative space. Like what walked away and what did they bring back in? Like they they like you said they had a lot of of people they brought in last year who have left now. And you could say a similar thing about the Rangers, but at least the Rangers made some moves. But they had a lot of people that they brought in who walked away and they replaced them with Ryan Reeves and John Klingberg. I mean, like, mm-hmm. even you look at some of these other people that signed in other places. I mean, you look at, you, you know, even someone like uh, Michael Bunting, like three years, 4.5 million. You couldn't have given him that. I mean, I get that he, he got uh, benched coach's decision in the playoffs for a stretch of time, but that was attitude based, not play based. I mean, he's generally a decent hockey player. Yeah. It's just, it's weird. Like, I, I mean, and it's still, there's still room for them to recover, right? Like if they managed to bring in Max Domi, has he signed anywhere yet? Not as far as I know, right? Google it real no, quick just not. to make sure. I'm not talking out my ass. I, I, I was looking at that before we started because there okay. were some rumors about teams that were interested. Toronto yeah, may so, have actually been one. Yeah, if they were to sign Max Domi and Tyler Bertuzzi and they fit them both under the cap, suddenly they turn much more into a fuck team. But right now it's like I can't even put them on the kill list. Like they're nothing. They didn't do anything. Yeah, Tarasenko, Domi, and Bertuzzi are all wingers that – like there was rumors that Toronto could be looking at. They were also rumored in the Carlson sweepstakes, but I don't think that is what is, they is, need. Is there any team that wasn't rumored in the Carlson sweepstakes? I know. I would just love putting Kleenberg and Carlson out on the ice together. Just full attack. <laughs> it's <laughs> go like, for it. It's like when you get two undersized guards in the NBA and they're like, well, we're going to score 40, but we're going to give up 39. Yeah, just go straight like Harden, Westbrook, uh, heat where they had like who they had uh, we could not waste, waste time on it but they had someone didn't they play like pj tucker or someone weird at the five yeah pj tucker yeah so it, it's just yeah i guess it's not a lot and like i'm still for me the biggest thing about the lease that i'm still like looking at is like lease fans be prepared because this austin matthews situation is going to be coming up on you fast yeah so. you're gonna blink and he's gonna suddenly be playing for the utah salts or whatever they're gonna be called yeah who knows but all right, Mike, any more hockey thoughts you want to get out of your system before we bounce over and talk some basketball? Yeah, I just want to shout out, I want to just point out my favorite signing, since it was not one we got a chance to talk about. And that is Connor Clifton to the Buffalo Sabres, three Dude. years, 3.5 <laughs> million. Hear me out. Okay. Analytically, like, like, anal- what I'm trying to say, analytics guys like Connor Clifton. Like, if you take, like, Corsi and Fenwick into account, if that's a number you, like, lean on heavily, he was actually the fourth best defenseman in Boston. The thing that people point out is he played on the third pair and had less minutes. So, you know, it's kind of tough to gauge. But I love that move by Buffalo. I just wanted to shout that out. And the other thing I wanted to shout out uh, is kind of, like, my homer portion of this segment is heard saw a rumor today that Florida might be out there getting an idea of what the price would be for Sam Reinhardt if they were to move him. 
And all I got to say is, if that is true, Kevin Adams, make it happen and bring my boy Samson home. Thank you. <laughs> uh, hold on. I'm trying to pull up this list if it'll let me. Damn. Um, yeah, it's not out yet. I was going <coughs> to... If I could have gotten it up somewhere, I was going to see your opinion on the over-under for Ottawa now that they've signed Jonas Corposalo because... In a group chat I'm in, I had a buddy who said that now he thinks that they are one of the best teams in their division. And your buddy is like the guy who lives in a box on the corner who smokes crack? Or I, I replied saying <laughs> the rebuild's finally over because uh, <laughs> the rebuild in Ottawa keeps getting announced as over every year. So yeah. Jonas Corposalo in the building. The rebuild is finally over. Yeah, Jesus like, Christ. Remember last year they traded and got Matt Murray, and they're like, oh, he's going to bounce back for us. Then we got Alex Dabrinkit, but now we're trying to trade him because he's an RFA, but we don't want to resign him. And now we're going to go and get another goalie that's historically underperformed and not met his potential. Um, yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> All right, Mike. Ready to – oh, real quick. I did want to point out, I think that my favorite – the team that has done the most uh, up my stock on them has been Dallas. But don't have time to really go in that. We're, we're going to have to – bounce over and talk some uh some hoops here hoop it up all right let me get the timer going all right mike the uh other big free agency opening was obviously basketball uh where a lot of people re-signed with the teams that they uh already were signed with so I did want to go through here and get the results a few weeks ago. I believe on our final test episode, we played a game of Price is Right NBA Free Agency. And I did the math on all of it and figured out who won. And you kicked my ass. Oh, yeah, what was the final score? Uh, so it was, well, actually, I say you kicked my ass. It was 2-1-2. Uh, so you won two, I won one, and then we had two that we were both over on. Kicked your ass. <laughs> you I, beat I, me by 100%. I laughed you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike. So, uh, and I, I w the only one I won was an absolute technicality. You were way closer, but you were over. Oh, that was the one you, like, boxed me out on, right? No. Oh, okay. The one, the one I boxed you out on, we both we both went over on. <laughs> okay. What, what, what two did I win out of curiosity? Uh, you won um, Kyrie Irving and uh, Freddie Van Fleet's. Nice. Actually, now that I'm looking at it, neither one of us won Kyrie Irving. So it was 1-1-3. One, one, and three. We both oh, so went over on those. We all suck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, Mike. Well, here's one that you uh, also went over on. Man, uh, next time we should definitely play closest, period. <laughs> no, for it doesn't yeah. matter. Uh, or maybe we'll just get better. So James Harden, he had a $35 million player option that he opted into. Uh, you guessed 39.6. I guessed 46.4. That's largely because I gave us the wrong number for his player option. <laughs> I gave us 47, which is incorrect. I don't know where I got that number from. Probably some article somewhere. But he opts in for the option. Both of us went over. And he is now requesting a trade, which uh, raises the question, uh, do you want James Harden on the Knicks? Dear God, no. Like, we already got rid of Obi Toppin, which broke my heart. Sound of the Pacers. Upside to that is I'm going to watch a lot of Halliburton and Toppin next year. Um, and I just – I lay awake at night scared of the possible package we would give up um, to bring in James Harden. Like old James Harden, old Jimbo Slice. <laughs> like I'm – I just 
it scares me because it's a move the Knicks would make, and I just really hope they don't. Uh, Jimbo slice of pizza. That's all I got for you. Yeah. Um, so far, it appears that he is mostly leaning towards the Clippers, which uh, would tickle me to no end. I texted you about this yesterday. Yeah. The, the Clippers, there's no one currently over the second apron in the luxury tax, and the second apron comes with, like, a lot of stuff. I mean, the first apron alone comes with, like, a lot of pain. There's a, there's a lot of provisions in there, like, not when you sign, you can only take on 110% of the salaries you're sending out instead of the typical 125%. Uh, you can't use your mid-level once you're over the uh, second apron. So, like, it's really restrictive. You're If you're over the second apron for three out of five seasons, your pick gets moved to the back of the draft regardless of how your team finishes. Like, it's, it's a real pain in the ass to be over that second apron. And there's currently no teams over the second apron. But if they traded for James Harden and followed the rule of 125, so they, ga- they gave out... 75% of the contract value on a con on James Harden's contract. They would be over the second apron. And I don't think that trading players away from that team to add James Harden puts them in title contention any more than they currently are. No. And they'd be giving up assets that they're going to probably want to have in the future. Yeah. So I, uh, and they already re-signed Westbrook. So I am, uh, I am giddy at the thought that, uh, that they might have a um, had, trade for James Harden. How do they keep ending up together, those two? They just can't quit each other. <laughs> I don't know. We, we always think of Westbrook and Durant as the guys whose careers are tied together because those were like the two guys. I mean, you had, you had a whole thing you wrote on this, so of course you know, but those were the two guys who were supposed to bring Oklahoma City into the future. But the people we should really talk about is linked together are Harden and Westbrook, who just can't fucking escape each other's orbit. Mm-hmm. Next up on our Price is Right game is uh, Kyrie Irving, who re-signed with the Mavs for an average annual value of $42 million, which means we both got that one wrong because we both went over. So that was a three-year, $126 million deal. There's another one where, like, Shortly before free agency opened? Oh, yeah, okay. That's what it is. <laughs> Shortly before free agency opened, I remember reading, like, not a lot of teams are really interested in Irving outside of the Mavs. And then, like, right as I think it, like, opened, or maybe, like, the day before, it was, like, this team, this team, this team. And it was just, like, a lot of the signings, it was, like, all this, like, build up and talk and speculation rumor, and it was, like, and they resigned. <laughs> Did I say uh, he got signed for 42 or $24 million? I'm not sure now. Okay. Because I think I said 24, but it was 42. I wrote down 42, but I think I said 24 out loud. Yeah, so he gets signed for for 42 million, back with the Mavs. Do you think this this moves the needle for the Mavs at all? Um, no, not I really. want to point out that, yes, they benched Luka down the stretch to not have to give up their pick if it fell outside the top 10. But they still fairly definitively missed the playoffs. Yeah, it's kind of talking like back to back about Irving and Harden. Like Harden, like still puts up like he put up like a double double last year. I texted you, it looked quite crappy. Like averaged like I think like twelve assists a game and like tw- I think twenty point one points or something like that. Um, but I, I find Harden boring, even more boring to watch now in the later stages of his career. Kyrie, Kyrie Irving is at least still fun to watch. Like offensively, it's still fun to watch him cook when he gets going. 
Yeah, but, he's got he's got the whole untucked jersey and everything. Yeah. Um but I don't think that it really moves the needle. I mean, it didn't it didn't push him over the hump last year. Why would it do it this year? I will say that this is very indicative of being a basketball fan and it really does show the colors of how much we're dumb sometimes. Uh, I was way more excited about them signing Seth Curry for uh, average salary of like four and a half million per year than I yeah. was when they re-signed Kyrie. And there is no question that Kyrie is a better player than Seth Curry. What's up? Seth Curry for only four and a half million? It's like the Bruce Brown shit up until he signed his big contract this year yeah. with Indiana. But every time someone signs Seth Curry, I'm just like, we can't let them keep doing this. That's good value for a guy like Seth Curry. Like a guy like that coming off your bench. That's good value. I will point out, it's it's so it's two years, uh, and then he's a, a UFA again, but he's 33. So he's getting a little bit older, but that, I mean, you get Luka. If Luka is passing the ball to him, or you get Kyrie passing the ball to him, that guy's hitting every shot you toss to him. You're getting back the shooting mm-hmm. that you had in that really good Luka season a couple seasons ago. Yeah, and like in theory, Luka, I feel like Luka and Kyrie should work so well together. Because I think Kyrie can, I mean, you play can off ball. I'm wrong, yeah, he can play off ball really well. So it just makes sense that it should work really well again. Maybe, I mean, I don't know off the top of my head. I'm trying to remember if they made any other notable moves. Dwight Powell and Dante Axum, but that's really it. Like Seth Curry's yeah. the, the biggest name they brought in just because he can hit shots. Um, but, n- you know, no, no big, big names. Their big, big name was obviously Kyrie. But, yeah, I mean – yeah, like they're they're doing things to improve the team. Like I think Dallas, it would be hard for Dallas to perform worse than they did last year, but they're not they're not exactly setting the world on fire by paying out the nose for Kyrie and bringing in Dante Exum and Dwight Powell. Although I think Dwight Powell was just a re-signing. I can't even remember where he played last year now. Yeah, so I would land on a full off season of Kyrie and Luca, you know, and that whole team together. I I think they'll do better than last year, make the playoffs, but I don't think I wouldn't con- I don't think they'll win a championship or make it out of the West. Yeah, I'm prone to agree with you on that. All right, next up we had Kristaps uh, Porzingis, which is another one we both lost because we went over. Um, he ended up opt- opting into his player option as part of a <coughs> sign and trade to the Boston Celtics. After that, he signed an extension with an average value of $30 million a year. Uh, but since for the Price is Right game, we are only taking what he signed for <coughs> at the initial point. So his initial contract is extended one year because of the player option they opted into. So that's 36 which means that we both went over. I went over by 0.1 on his average annual value because I, I thought he was going to sign a contract the the starting point was going to be 36. So uh he signs or he uh he opts in at 36. I said 36.1. So we both miss out on that one. But Porzingis in uh in in Boston now, we talked about that a good bit last week. So we don't really need to dive in to that too much, but in general, uh the the top of the East didn't do a lot of changing. At least we'll see how uh how that changes when or if Harden gets moved but uh Boston didn't really do a lot you know there's talks about a Grant Williams trade 
Um, mainly it was the Porzingis trade, and now they have uh, Al Horford, Porzingis, and Robert Williams. Once again, we talked about that last week, so if you really want to hear us talk about our Chris Tapps Porzingis stuff, go listen to that section of last week's podcast that is, as always, marked in the show notes. Can, can I say one thing really fast? Yes, sir. Because um, I don't know if I mentioned it last week, but all the talk – I know he is, is injury-prone, but he did play 65 games last year, and I feel like this, when you take – Why is this you, such a, a, a marker for people? 65 games is the bare minimum you have to play now to get nominated for MVP. Yeah, why is that the level that everyone's like, look at how well he played, 65 games? Well, I just feel like when you take load management into consideration, he's not that far off from playing a normal amount of games in a season. So, But people bitch and moan about load management all the time. Yeah. But, so why yeah. are we giving why are we giving Porzingis credit but not Kawhi? That's that's my complaint. <laughs> uh, that was a fair rebuttal. Moving on. <laughs> um, I want to pull up this thing real quick before we talk Freddie Van Smokes here. Are we going to talk about Dame at some point? We will at the end of all this because okay. he hasn't actually been moved anywhere yet. Yeah, I just have a point related to that, so I'll wait till we get there. All right, so. Man, this is going to be a fun one because uh, I hate the moves they made. But we'll start by talking here. Uh, the next person on our Price is Right game was Freddie Van Vliet, who signed for $42 million, giving you the win with the Houston Rockets. Your guess was $40.4 million AAV. He signed for forty-two, which is – I think he didn't even quite get the max he could get. He got, like, close to it. But, you know, whatever. Uh, the Rockets, man. Well, okay. First off, do you have any thoughts about the, the Fred Van Fleet contract there? What was the term on it again? Three years, average annual value of 42.86. Total contract is 128 million. I like it. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm an F E F guy. I don't know why it broke my brain. <laughs> F V V buddy. F V V. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, I am not as big. Uh, of an FVV guy, but especially not for being the third highest paid point guard in the league. But he's good, right? Like, he's a good player. They spent money on a good player, and I cannot fault them for that. Mike, I want you to listen to me very carefully here. I will never fault a team for spending good money on a good player. Now that I have that out of the way, they also signed Dylan Brooks to a four-year $80 million contract. Uh, what the fuck, man? So I don't know if that's the most absurd. That might be the most absurd signing that we saw. That's got to be, right? Yeah. I mean, Jeremy Grant did get paid, but. That's true. I forgot about that, too. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that's wild. For, like, a, a, like Me- Memphis was just, like, right after the playoffs. It was like, yeah, bye, Dylan. We don't, we don't want you back. And Houston was like, we're going to give you $20 million a year. I want to see I want to see what the Athletic gave as a, a grade on this uh <laughs> the signing here. Well, I'm scrolling through here and just seeing some stuff. Love the um, love the Halliburton re-signing. Brooke Lopez is a slight overpay, but still like that. Love the Austin Reeves signing for the Lakers. Austin Reeves, awesome. $56 million over four years. Uh, totally reasonable, but he was a really good player. All right, $80 million over four years for Dylan Brooks. Yeah, the Athletic gave him a D. I mean, like, he's, he's a good defensive piece, but he shoots too much. And... Talk about a guy that's just giving the other team fucking whiteboard material. Yeah. Like, it's, how it's, many games did they lose because they they let Dylan Brooks do the talking? There's, like, a line between, like, Pat Bev, who 
stirs shit up, causes shit, but also gets like his boys, you know, hyped up and like motivated. And then there's causing shit to the level where it's just a distraction. And that's what Dylan Brooks got into last season. And that's why Memphis chucked up the deuces. I will also point out that to make enough cap space to get all these people in, or to make some cap space, I think they still have plenty of cap room, but to make cap space, they dumped a bunch of recent thirds, which is another like, wow, you guys are like trading away players you recently drafted on rookie scale contracts to bring in Dylan fucking Brooks. I mean, he was terrible in the playoffs. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, As we're doing the podcast, by the way, Eric Gordon signed with the Suns. Uh, I like that move a lot. Uh, the Suns are going to be either an incredibly fun team to watch next year because they're going to be insane or an incredibly fun team to watch because they're going to be a train wreck. And I am excited either way. Right. Rounding out here. We have uh, Draymond Green, who signed average annual value of exactly $25 million. It was four years, $100 million, which gave me the win because I said he would sign at uh, 18.5, and you said 27.5, and it was 25, so you went over, loser. Damn. <clears throat> so we have a mutual friend who's a Warriors fan, and you can imagine how obnoxious that can be sometimes, who texted me about how much he loved this deal. Mike, what were your instant reactions to the Draymond deal here? And then I'll tell you mine. Um, my instant reactions were he was always going to be back and all the talk about him not coming back was just headlines, possibly stirred up by Draymond himself <laughs> um, in an Aaron Rodgers-esque move. Um, it's fine. I mean, I always felt confident they're going to keep that core together. Like, I, I don't I think the Clay situation still isn't resolved, correct? No, Clay's, Clay's locked down. Oh, he's okay to go lock him down. Okay. Oh, cause there, but there was talk about them possibly trading him. Who, I, which I think they should. Yeah, he's a, yeah. He's a free agent next season. Um, yeah. He's making $43 million this season. They should trade Clay. If they can get anything for him, they should trade him. I mean, uh, I feel like if, if they see a, another move that's possible that makes it worth dumping that salary, then they do it. But I feel like I've always felt like they wanted to keep those three together. They, they have a massive luxury tax bill. And if this team is not going to be winning – a championship this year or next year, their their bill is just untenably large. I think this was an overpay. That being said, they talked him in to getting term by opting out of a $27.9 million player option to give him a few years under that. So there's there's it's worth being said that he did come in under the number that he was going to cost them this season. But their tax bill is massive between their top guys. And getting Jordan Poole out of the building was good. Getting CP3 back in, not so much. I don't see this team as an NBA Finals contender outside of the fact that they have one of the most game-tilting players in the league. Yeah, because they, the, I mean, they have the greatest shooter of all time in, in Steph, so that obviously helps. I, I guess yeah. like my final opinions on the Draymond thing are that he still, I think he still provides a a great impact defensively um he's also one of those guys that can you know stir shit up get the boys hyped up sometimes you gotta tell them to like sell down but you know he also is a, a big part of that for the team um and lastly uh to be honest you know he should have been banned from playing basketball after he tried to uh, perform a mortal combat-esque fatality on demontis sabonis disgusting <laughs> all right mike i want to get to uh some other goofy stuff i didn't have here 
um, written down as part of our, our free agent prices, right? Because, well, we didn't really include them. Uh, the, the real fun one is Jeremy Grant, who gets five years, $160 million. Let me ask you this. Is Rich Paul the best agent in the history of sports? He's got some bonuses coming his way or something because he yeah, I know he had uh, I mean even LeBron gave him a shout out on Twitter because of the kind of performance he was having for his clients I mean you were you just texted me it was probably a couple weeks ago you talked about players that how would you frame it that we all think are really good but are never as good as we think yeah yeah players that everyone says are good but never actually turn out to be that good yeah and you put like Jeremy Grant on that list because he's this guy who's been on a lot of bad teams as well and then we'll have like put up some numbers and you're like oh yeah like I really think you know Jeremy Grant like could really break out you know or he could be like a top guy on a team and then you realize like yeah no he's not but 106 it's, million it's not quite to this level because he is a starter but it's like the Matt Flynn award for guy that everyone swears is going to be great on another team right and he's a starter in Portland is he a starter on a like a legit like playoff Team? Right, he's he's been a starter on Portland and in Detroit. But if you put him on Boston, what is he? The eleventh man on Boston? You put him on Boston, he has, probably have a chance of winning a sixth man of the year award. To be fair, <laughs> he's not even the sixth man on that team. He might have a chance of winning an eighth man of the year award on that team. <laughs> I mean, it's like, what are we doing here, guys? Why are we paying Jeremy Grant one hundred and sixty million fucking dollars? Because it's the NBA. It's wild. Like, I just can't stop looking at it. It is ridiculous. <laughs> um, but we I, we got to move on talk about a couple of other things because we are more than out of time. Uh, the Lakers bring everyone back. They got great value on Austin Reeves. Not so great value on Rui Hachimura and uh, on uh, D'Lo, but that happens. Mike, any quick thoughts on the Lakers? Um, well, I mean, it hit close home to you, but they also brought in Torian Prince. Yeah, I, I mean, everyone talked up Torian Prince in the the uh, the free agent process as being like this great scorer from the bench. I watched Torian Prince. He's a he's streaky. I like Torian Prince, but I would definitely trade not re-signing him for being able to bring back one Nasrid. of my favorites in Nasrid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd rather have Nasrid than Torian Prince. Also, and even I think they overpaid for Nasrid. But anyways, um, the the. <coughs> NBA Twitter goat Bruce Brown to the Pacers, forty-five million over two years. Any thoughts on that? Getting that uh, championship adjacent money. Uh, yeah, exactly. They you got the championship adjacent bump. It's also a team option in the second year, but it's Bruce fucking Brown. You're not cutting him. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Kuzma stays with the Wizards. That was uh, four years, one hundred and two million. Mike, your thoughts? I mean, ready for. Kuzma and Poole to both like have ridiculously high usage and somehow I'm like what what would you put the over under on their like total at points per game as a duo between those two yeah um if I said 38 and a half you taking the over or the under total if you add both of theirs together yeah 38 that, and a half a low. you're right that does seem a little low yeah um what if I said 42 I take the over. Okay. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, who else is scoring on that team? I, th- I think I, f- I would be shocked if they get close to 50. All right. Um, then today, just to run through some stuff that happened today, real quick. Um, we have uh, Jordan Clarkson signed a $55 million three-year extension with the Jazz. Don't quite get this move. 
because the Jazz are still kind of in their mid-rebuild. Um, I mean, it's average of 17.3, so it's not like he's a mid-level guy. Don't really get it, but sure. Uh, Eric Gordon with the elite $6 million over two years signing for Phoenix. Your thoughts on that? I mean, he's like... He's like P.J. Tucker. He's just always going to be in the league until the day he dies on some team. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, just this one because I I love that this man is somehow an NBA player. Um, and then we'll close it out. But Cody Zeller, uh, $3.1 million for one year on the Pelicans. I have no comments. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a few no comments guys signed today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is, uh, that is the two free agency markets there. Um, we are at an hour and seven minutes here and don't want to go too far over. Um, trying to think if there is anything that we really need to hit. Oh yeah. Let's talk Dame. We'll, we'll get back to the wheel starting next week. We'll try to start making time for it, but we do need to talk a little Dame. So Damian Lillard, after the trailblazers drafted, um, Scoot Henderson, Notably, seemed like he still wanted to be with the team. And then after listening to Miami music for a few weeks on Instagram Live, decided he wants to be traded specifically to Miami. What are your thoughts on that, Mike? Um, I just think it's... Well, first I'll say I think it's funny. You know, all those Heat players that were these undrafted guys, and, you know, I was kind of just, like, not as complimentary of them as other people were. Well, apparently neither are the Heat's front office because they realize, like, yeah, we're not getting back there again with this group. I mean, they let Gabe, Gabe Vincent end up going to the Lakers. They traded Max Struess. Like, they realized that that was kind of a Cinderella run and we're not going to do it again, so we have to get another big piece in here. Um, and they're going to have to try to make the cap space to do it. I like it. I mean, Dame, Jimmy, Bam, that's a hell of, like, a kind of like a, a group of good players. But yeah. I mean, and everyone talks about Dame as a heat culture guy, too, but he's also an undersized guard who can't play defense. Is heat culture just mean you, like, get up early to get an extra workout in every day? I think it means <laughs> that you, like, drive Uber on the weekends because you, don't, you can't ever rest. Yeah, and if, like, you see anybody on the team, like, you know, slow down for a second during, an ex- like, a, a drill, you just, like, walk up and chop them in the chest. Um, you know what's weird for me about this? What? everyone's like, man, yeah. Dame Lillard is uh, requested the Heat. It's going to be crazy team on the Heat. He doesn't have a no-trade clause. They could trade him fucking anywhere. Dame Lillard can go play for the Islanders. I mean, it's whoever's going to give them the best package for him is where he's going to go. And if he what? doesn't like it, then he can sit the fuck out. Do you think a big like part of this, though, is... I mean, I feel like Hero is going to be a part of that deal. Maybe even Duncan Robinson. Like, do you think well, that it would they, have to be Duncan Robinson, right? With the with the contract size. True, but it would it would help the deal work from a Miami standpoint if Tyler Hero's contract was involved. Yeah, cuz you if you're if you're Miami, there's or if you're Portland, there's not a lot you want on that Miami roster outside of you know, Tyler Hero who's getting paid like a decent chunk, but Tyler Hero and then like draft picks. I guess, but even then, like, you don't want any of their current draft picks because they're going to be good. Um, yeah. it just I wonder if it, we could end up with another situation where they add another superstar, but then those minutes where 
Dame and Jimmy aren't on the court, like it starts to get pretty thin looking at the bench. Um, yeah, so the trade technically works if you just do Dame Lillard for Hero and Robinson. That works within the constraints of the uh, 125% contract rule. So, I mean, those, those contracts almost perfectly line up. But then you're going to have to give – like, if you're if – you're, Miami, you're going to have to give a bunch of draft picks, too, because that's just the price we've now accepted when it comes to superstar trades. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, was Miami a Dame Lillard away from winning the NBA Finals this year? Maybe this year they were. Like, if you replace what Caleb Martin turned into or what Gabe Vincent turned into in the Finals – with Dame Lillard, maybe they were. But that team got there on just a surprise run from their depth. Not on Bam Adebayo turning into the best four in the league or Jimmy Butler playing like Bubble Butler. He had his stretches, but it wasn't like he carried that entire team on his back. It was depth play, and that's what they're losing if they're going to bring in Dame. Yeah. I guess your one like argument you could say is Jimmy may have had more in the tank in the finals if he had like a Dame to help carry some of the load. In those first couple rounds. Well, I'm just going to say it. Mm-hmm. I think Jimmy Butler's just uh, got a loser mentality. <laughs> you can't have a loser mentality and be heat culture. That's such an oxymoron. <laughs> really? Because when has uh, Jimmy Butler ever won anything? I thought I'm like the super like Homer bias guy on this podcast. I fucking hate <laughs> Jimmy Butler. <laughs> Speak of that, I let me ask s- you. I sports hate. I sports hate Jimmy right. Butler. Let me right. clarify. If I ever met Jimmy Butler on the street, I'd be fucking giddy. But as an athlete that has affected my team, I dislike him. Right. So l- let me ask you real quick. Should I like? Should I even like think about like ooh Dame to the Knicks? Ooh. Well, I have the trade machine open. You want to see if we can make this work? Yeah. I mean, I like if we did, like, like. He also low key kind of seems like a Knicks guy, doesn't he? I mean, he kind of does, and I imagine He's, he could... Just imagine the spotlight there, the rap opportunities. He could play off ball, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then Brunson can still run point, and, you know... But then, I mean, you know, you, you said it there, but you're talking a lot of undersized in uh, that backcourt. That's not going to be good for your defense. No. But, I mean, we got Dante DiVincenzo now coming off the bench, locking it down, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? I actually really like that signing. Yeah, All joking do. aside. Um, all right, so... Let's uh let's go out on a limb here and say that Portland doesn't want to take Julius Randle back in this trade. Oh, come on. <laughs> so you're probably talking that you're giving up RJ Barrett. Probably like RJ and quickly would be in that deal. Uh that still doesn't even get you to the price that would be requisite here. Um Mitchell Robinson, Evan Fournier. I mean Fournier, it's, <laughs> it's gonna be Fournier plus a billion picks if you do that. Yeah. I was gonna say they don't want Fournier. They might have to, I mean they probably want well, you, they can't buy him out now, can they? Uh, two years left on his deal, though. That's not bad. So if you did quickly's expiring, Fournier and RJ Barrett, although there's no way they're taking back Fournier, I'm just saying, and a billion picks, then it works. And according to Hollinger's analysis, it subtracts 11 wins from Portland and doesn't add any more wins to the Knicks, but that's just based off per. So if we could convince them to do... I will point out also, it works if you just do Barrett and Fortier. That still satisfies the 125% rule. It would just take so many picks to get that done. If yeah, we I could mean, convince you'd have them. to trade them the Gobert suite of picks. Yeah, I'd give up the Gobert suite of picks if I could convince them to just take, like, Fournier's contract, 
and bear it. Really? And really? Maybe, you give up? You give up maybe, the go bear suite of picks for that? I would, and I may even throw in like Miles McBride, who was like a rookie you, guard last year. As long as I can keep quickly coming off the bench, when either Brunson or Dame aren't on the floor, I'll be okay. You do know that Dame's thirty-two and hasn't won shit, right? Like, I don't want to give up the go bear suite of picks to be exact <laughs> per se. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm I, interested. I, I like Dame, but <laughs> not at the Gobert suite of picks. I keep forgetting he's over 30. Yeah, 32 years old, brother. Mm. And he's small, 6'2". I mean, he's a small guard. Yeah, but does that does that help you or hurt you as you get older? I feel like it would help you. It hurts you. I mean, like, all all these small guards fall off at, like, 36. I mean, look at Chris Paul. Yeah, but I feel like when you're, like, a really big dude and then, like, you know, just all that wear and tear – affects you yeah, but like you you're know talking your knees like start the guys that are like goes. the guys that are like six five to six eight are the dudes who are sturdy and stay in the league and sure then is. kareem who played like 35 years but like the, those guys that are just fucking big play into their late 30s pretty well i mean think about like carmelo like carmelo was still effective until he was what like 35 what about what if they did randall and barrett they don't want Randall. And I'll give them, like, my next four first-round picks. <laughs> they definitely don't want Randall. We have two first-round picks next year, don't we? Three, I think. Two. Three. I'll give you all of them if you just take Randall and Fournier. <laughs> Get them off the books. I'll you watch too much hockey. I'll still even consider throwing Barrett into the deal. <laughs> you want to trade them Randall, Fournier, and Barrett for Dame? Uh, well, I mean, if you're, I don't know. That doesn't even work. That's too much money. Yeah, too they much money. Take on. I'll keep Barrett. You just get Fournier and Randall. No, Fournier could have like a f- the second greatest French Renaissance ever for them. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a long limb here and say that it's either the Knicks are giving up quickly Grimes and picks along with some cap dump, or they're giving up Barrett and Fournier and a ton of picks. They're gonna come after all my like guards. Ridiculous. Uh, the only young guys you have that are interesting. Although that be, that is a good point because you know who already has a shitload of guards and doesn't need more? The Portland Trailblazers. That's why they need Randall, who's a forward, and Barrett, who's a forward. You think if Barrett walked on to Portland, he would see Kevin Knox and he'd be like, is that the towel boy from the Knicks? What are you <laughs> doing here? I mean, that's a reunion that everybody's waiting to see happen. You know what? I, I, can, I can be honest now. Retrospect years later. Dude, I thought Kevin I thought Kevin Knox was it. I thought he was going to be the guy. I thought he was going to be so fucking good. And now he's 23 and I'm already like, Kevin Knox is fucking washed. His uh his career ended in his second year in Summer League when he tried to like go at Zion. And yeah. Zion just obliterated him and it was like, "Yeah, that's over. Goodbye, Kevin." <laughs> you know how people always complain that ESPN can't talk about basketball without talking about the Lakers? We're kind of turning into that with the Knicks. We don't talk about basketball without talking about the Knicks. I mean, they play in the world's most famous arena, Adam. What do you expect? They don't play in the garden. Our owner has his own, like, I don't know, like, band? folk band or something. I think they you know like, the name of that band? Uh, like James Dolan's Blues Brothers Express or some shit. Band. Uh, JD and the Straight Shot. Oh, my God. <laughs> Country Blues and Roots Rock Vanity Project, the frontman guitarist, Cablevision Sports corporate CEO, and Madison Square Garden owner, James L. Dolan. That name just screams 
band that plays on like a at like a bar in a small town you know that has like an average age of customers like 45 <laughs> oh fuck dude they have a guy in there that plays the uh the like orchestra bass yeah but does anybody play the milk jug no it looks like they have three guitarists though Way and two vocalists wait which vocalists. one which one of the vocalists is james dolan so <laughs> i'm on their official website <laughs> fine merch. Right. i was looking for the merch page i'll be honest with you all right, Mike, I think we should probably wrap this up at the point that I'm on James Dolan's official page looking yeah. for merch. James Dolan and the Straight Shooters definitely signals the end of the podcast. Straight Shot. Straight Shot, JD sorry. and the Straight Shot. My bad. Fucking Mark. All right, Mike, uh, you got any articles coming out this week? I don't know if we talked about that. Um, I got some stuff in the works. I'm not all, nothing this week. I'm not all, <laughs> all buying time to figure something out by saying that, but I'm sure we could uh, yeah, whip something up. Who knows? Um, also, first episode of the Town Alone Pro Wrestling Podcast came out last week. Finally got and to get that when's done. The, uh, when's the second one coming out? Um, so I'm going to record it tomorrow. So expect it to come out either Monday night or Tuesday, depending on how our awesome uh, producer and editor does at getting that done. And... Um, yeah. Other than that, follow me at Talent Alone Mike on Twitter if you haven't exceeded your rate limit, and make sure to always go to TalentAlone.com. All right. I uh, do just want to point out that I did find vinyls for all the JD and the Straight Shot uh, albums. So if you f- fancy yourself to be an audiophile and want to get yourself um, high-quality blues rock tunes by a billionaire, uh, JD and the Straight Shot at MerchBar.com slash rock-alternative-JD and the Straight Shot Dash JD in the straight shot where I've been vinyl record. Oh my god. If we do get Dame, they could do a crossover album. Oh my god. <laughs> it's all right. Let's get the fuck out of here. Later.